This is October 6th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinowski. Hope you guys are having a great week. Weird that it's October 6th and we're not talking, you know, the start of the season. Oh my God. How do you guys, what do you guys think of opening night? What do you think? What do you think of the upcoming schedule? Obviously none of that, but instead, this week is going to be very exciting. Very exciting is the draft, free agency towards the end of it. Lots of particularly big moves the Bruins could make, given Bruins history and their lack of making big moves. They might not make any big moves, but there's always the chance they make that big move. And uh, certainly feels like this week could be the week. You got Rask, Ekman Larson, Carlo, DeBrusque, maybe Krejci. A lot of moving pieces, or a lot of pieces that could be moved, or maybe won't be moved. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And to talk about all that, I had on DJ Bean of NBC Sports Boston. You know DJ, and you love DJ. Uh, the song that you heard in the intro was his, uh, was Vineyard Nights. Uh, he just released three songs, actually. Uh, so he's dabbling in music, and I figure why not have uh, that be the music in this episode. So that will be what you will hear. Um, we discuss uh, trading Rask. We discuss Krug. We discuss Ekman Larson. We discussed a ton. Um, it's sort of an off-season look around, uh, if you must, uh, the DJ and I did. Uh, and the interesting part about DJ is he's starting to get back into covering the Bruins more and more for NBC Sports Boston. So that is fun. You can look forward to his stuff over there. Other thing I would like to say, as always, uh, Bruins Rinkside on YouTube. Go subscribe there. Uh, I'm going to start promoting that either this week or next week. So you Bruins be listeners kind of get a head start on all that. I'm going to start posting this on Twitter, on Facebook, all those places um, very soon. But for now, I'm just kind of giving you guys the inside scoop. I'm just telling you guys about Bruins Rinkside. So go subscribe there. Go subscribe to the CLNS Media YouTube page. Again, both are very, both are free. There's no, it's just, they're free. Just go subscribe. That would be the best thing in the world. Um, and if you'd like to leave a review and a nice rating on this podcast, wherever you get yours, that would also be tremendously helpful. Um, I like to hear feedback from people on the show, whether you want to message me on Facebook, Twitter, uh, in the comment section on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast, uh, wherever you would like to. Just shoot me a note if you have any feedback on the show, if you like it, if you hate it, if you like me, if you hate me, it doesn't matter. Um, I would love to hear any and all feedback. Um, and it, again, it greatly helps me, greatly helps the show. Um, and so... Uh, before we get into the show, I'd also like to tell you about my good friends over at Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still bet on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on your everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win totals, division totals, and championship futures to Day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I love Bet Online. I've been using them a ton, ton lately, actually. Uh, do, not doing as well as I thought I might, but I've been dabbling. Uh, getting, you know, I like to bet on football season just because I feel like those are easier games to bet on. So again, capitalize on all that today. So without further ado, here is my conversation with DJ Bean. <laughs>
And we're here with DJ Bean. DJ, what is up? Nothing, man. How are you? It's been a minute. It has been a minute, but it's a, it's a lot of stuff's happened in that minute that we've taken. You know, oh, pandemic, yeah. the Bruins lost. Uh, a lot of stuff has happened since we last talked. Do we do uh, victory laps on the Bruins losing? Because we, it's not exactly how we saw it, but before the season, I'll tell you two people who weren't super high on your Boston Bruins. That would be Evan Marinovsky and DJ Bean. It was we, us. Yeah. Tell you what. We... We both said that they would lose to the, the the Maple Leafs in the first round, which again, not entirely true, but we incredibly predicted. wrong. But incredibly wrong. Still, we, I don't like. I I felt kind of vindicated as the season went on. Like I was, I was, I thought this was a very, this was an awesome season for the Bruins. I thought this was a very fun season to watch the Bruins, but uh, like there, that Achilles uh, heel was not going away. Like the, the the lack of wings was not just solving itself. And after I don't know, pretty horrible trade deadline, I felt no better. I felt way better about the Lightning. Like I thought, I thought that somebody was going to be way better than them in the East. And I mean, clearly it was the Lightning. I never understood during the season the tenor from Bruins fans and some media that. You know, oh, the Bruins are higher in the standings than the Lightning. They're fine. They're good. The Bruins, I think they have a chance. And, and granted, I wanted that series all along n- under normal circumstances. I wanted the Bruins to play the Lightning. I thought it would be an ex- way more exciting series than it was. Granted, the Bruins didn't have Rask. But I thought yeah. it was going to be so much better during the season if you did that back in May. But I still didn't really believe the Bruins were going to get past the Lightning. And if you look at the trade deadline, which has now been put under a microscope, by you especially. And at the time I said, I mean, I said, Nick Ritchie, you could have got so much more for Danton Heinen than you did with Nick Ritchie. And you're one of the first people to sound the alarm on Nick Ritchie. Like, why? Why would you get him? Oh, yeah. And that it's it's so funny that you say, like, you could have gotten so much more for Danton Heinen. Like, you want to talk about a depressed asset that was Danton Heinen, right? Like, young player, decent contract, but just having a bad year. Like, you were selling low on him. But even when you're selling low on him, I was like, Nick Ritchie? Like, I, I honestly viewed that deal as a salary dump. Because you saved, what, I think $1.3 million, something like that? It you was saved, somewhere you, in that vicinity. You saved, like, a, a decent chunk of money in that trade. And somehow, Bruins fans viewed it as, like, they were upgrading. And I was like, if this is an upgrade as a player, then... Why didn't you have to give up more? How come? Well, why wouldn't you have to give up more if they're if they're the same player and and supposedly the better player makes way less? Why? What are the Ducks just stupid? Well, that's the thing, and it's it's just like you know, we knew that Nick Ritchie would take some sort of penalty in the postseason. I thought it would be a trip. I thought it would be a trip at a crucial moment, a hook as a guy's going by him. Like that's what I thought it was going to be. Your classic Ends up being... like stuck in the mud penalties. Exactly, but instead he decides to just absolutely kill. Who was it on the light? I'm, I'm blanking on the name. Who he uh, murdered? It wasn't. It wasn't uh, Gord, was it? It was, was Gord. It? I think was it Gord? was Gord. Yes, it was. I was thinking defenseman where it was in the on the ice, but it was Yanni Gord. Um, cause I think it was, it was a third liner. So I think it was Gord, um, that he just decided to, you know, let's sit in the yeah, penalty box for five minutes. It was Yanni Gord. So, uh, 
we were we were both right on them losing. We were both right on. You were very right on the deadline. I didn't think it would turn out as bad as it did. Uh, but speaking of this, uh, speaking of trades, this week, and you said this before we got we started recording, and I was like, DJ, save it, save it for the air, because that's what I want. I don't want you to get it all out in the in the preamble before. But uh, this week has the potential to be like monumental with this franchise. I think it's getting overlooked a little bit. Tuka Rask yeah, I mean, could be traded. Could be. Now, Sweeney said this morning that, you know, he's still a part of the roster construction, but Sweeney doesn't say a lot to begin with. What do you, what's your take on this? I mean, this could be, like, if we want to go there, this could be the second most pivotal offseason of Don Sweeney's tenure as GM of the Bruins. I know the first one would be. Right? I mean, we yeah, we obviously know what the, the first one was. Some hits, some misses. I'll, I'll defend Don Sweeney and say people forget the Milan Lucic trade was was very solid. Um, but should it be his want, this could be kind of the offseason where he shakes shit up. And there's been, there's been little shit-shaking in the Don Sweeney tenure, really, other than that 2015 off season where he kind of came in and moved Hamilton, moved Lucic, got the draft picks, six in the first uh, two rounds. We all know the story there. But this could be like the next kind of version of that. Obviously not as big, but like if, if you look at where the Bruins are, I mean, what happens with Krug? What happens with Chara? Those two moves in and of itself are pretty franchise altering. And then from there, there's obviously been the the Rask rumors. I I wouldn't be surprised if something happened with Rask because we we should never be surprised by anything that happens with Rask anymore. And at this point, it's the case. This was like a weird enough year, and obviously, with happened in the the, the uh, postseason, like there's so much uncertainty surrounding that player that I that nothing that happens with him would surprise me. So yeah, between Krug, we think, departing. Who knows what happens with Chara? I think that Fluto made a, a really great point that was sort of an obvious point that we've all been kind of sleeping on. Like, it is possible that Chara reaches free agency. And who knows, if the Bruins haven't done anything with him, maybe a team jumps in and they're like, hey, man, you're the missing piece. Like, this is – you're what what we need. And maybe – yeah, maybe he just – maybe he departs. Um, so possibilities are plentiful, and I haven't even gotten to the – do they make, like, a real hockey trade? Do they trade Jake DeBrusque? Do they trade Brandon Carlo? My pie-in-the-sky thing that will never happen is, like, they find a way to make Carlo the centerpiece of a Patrick Line deal, which financially and for other reasons just does not seem like something they would do. But, oh, my God, like, I have been banging the table to get more scorers on this team. And if they found a way, even if it's losing Carlo in an offseason where you also lose Krug, like, imagine if they had Patrick Lyonet, David Pasternak, and Brad. Like, imagine having three of the best goal scorers on the planet on your team. To counter that, though, Lyonet has a year left on his deal. Now, granted, if it's centered around Carlo, then – I'm okay with that. Your cup window is 
very short if it's not already closed. So maybe if you decide, you know what, we're throwing everything at this one year, then go for it. But a year left, and he'd be on the second power play unit. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like he might get wasted in a way. Like, yeah. obviously, you want as many scores as you want, but don't you think he might get a little bit wasted? Yeah, so I, I agree with that. I think that, they, that you're running the risk of burying him. And also, I mean, there's a million reasons why I think that this this wouldn't happen. Another one being that if you feel like getting him with a year left on his deal uh, before you have to really pay him is a short window type of move, then why aren't you also finding a way to bring Tory Krug back? Right? Like if so, that. so if it, it it becomes tougher there where I mean I apply Tory Krug to pretty much all thinking with what the Bruins could do. I like I don't think they would do something that would say, Okay, we're going for it in this short window. I mean the fact they haven't brought Chara back already tells you that like they're not necessarily thinking short window. I think that what they're probably trying to do now would be my guess, like buy a little more time, like stretch it out, become a good team that could get hot versus a world beater, which is what you've been trying to be the last couple of years to, uh, to, to no success. You covered Sweeney when he first started, you've covered, uh, you covered the Bruins for a long time. Or for a for a while. I mean, I make it sound like yeah. you covered them for like twenty years. We covered for a while. Yeah. Like do you years. think that? Do you think that they're complacent in sitting on the fence between going all in and kind of having an eye for the future? That in some form or fashion, you have to pick one. Well, I think that the NHL is actually a league where being like. Just being a good team for a while versus stripping it down to the studs, really rebuilding, is actually smart. Like, in the NBA, that doesn't work. If you're just a good team, then that's getting you a 4 or 5 seed, 4 or 5, 6 seed, and short of this season with the Heat, not much playoff success, right? Like, But in the NHL, I mean, 8 seeds go to the cup. Like, anything, if you're a good team... Anything that can happen. So it's not a terrible strategy to want to be a good team that can have some great seasons versus, okay, we need to strip this thing down. We need to get X amount of great young players, which, I mean, the Bruins don't have a lot of great young players. They they have them. They have the Pasternaks and the McAvoys of the world, but they don't have much of a, a next wave right now. Notice right how you stopped with yourself after McAvoy. So you said yeah. Pasternak, McAvoy, DeBrusque. No DeBrusque. No DeBrusque. Yeah. Because in some ways it feels like, and, and Carlo's fringe too. Like yeah. I love Carlo's defensive shutdown defenseman. He's, you know, he's your next guy for the penalty kill for six on fives. But are we overvaluing Brandon Carlo in a sense? Like I, I think this offseason's kind of exposed him or exposed him and maybe DeBrusque to potentially being expendable. You can give them up in a deal. Right, I, I think something better. And I'm I'm just gonna keep like making this a a, a Fluto tribute show. He uh, he made the point <laughs> of like all. are are those guys good enough to like usually when you have young good players, it's just assumed okay this is how it works. We, you keep them and you 
and you, you try to build around them, et cetera, et cetera. But does it benefit the Bruins where if Jake DeBrusque's ask is high to say, okay, fine, then let's, let's move Jake DeBrusque. He's averaged 21 goals a year while missing a decent amount of games over the course of his entry-level contract. So, like, he is totally within his rights to say, I'm clearly a good uh, goal scorer in the NHL, and I deserve, I don't know, like, at, at least $5 million a year. If the Bruins aren't into that, then okay, then you, you do your shopping. And I think that it's wise of them to be doing that due diligence because he's so inconsistent. And you wonder, depending on who he's with, like, Krejci's got one more year. Do they maybe move him this offseason? Like, what are you actually going to get out of Jake DeBrusque depending on who he's playing with? Like, I like Jake DeBrusque a lot, but I think the Bruins are – are wise to be leaving no to- uh, stone unturned there. I agree. I think, again, I think you could, if you could package DeBrusque for a better top four defenseman, if you could package Brandon Carlo for a better top six winger who can score. Yes. Like I like Kyle Palmieri in New Jersey. I like Kyle Palmieri a lot. Um, I think he's someone who's, you could get, it's New Jersey. I think you could get him. Um, but th- things like that. I also think freeing up, you know, you mentioned DeBrusque getting, you know, paid a ton. Um, I don't think the Bruins should go above four for DeBrusque, at least right now. Um, and again, I think it's that sh- we talked about this last offseason with McAvoy and Carlo, those short prove me deals right. can sometimes hurt teams. In DeBrusque's case, I think it helps both sides. You can prove yourself and the Bruins get saved with the cap um, in the short term. But I do think though, that if, if, if you can get DeBrusque's money off the books, you have more money to then, you, you already have cap flexibility. You have more money to, to, to maybe go out and get a better, more consistent, proven, older winger, you know? Um, and I think that that's something they're missing right now. The Tuka Rask stuff, though, does this, like, I don't know if you're getting a lot for Rask. I think you could potentially get a first because he's got a year left and right. he's 33. I think if a team like the Colorado Avalanche stick out to me as a team who was who are desperate to to potentially win now, well, not desperate, but... They could win now. Right. Yeah, no, they're in a position where they could, yeah. They could. So to me, that's a team that makes sense to potentially get a first. But to, you brought up Fluto. I'll bring up Felger. We'll bring up the okay. two Fs in Boston. Felger always says when you're, when, you're, when you're trading a player, you want to try to trade them for uh, better or equal to what they were drafted at. And Rask was a higher draft position than I think the Avs are going to be. This. Right, Rask was 21, I believe, and the Avs have to be... Uh, I think they're under that, okay. I would figure. Like, yeah, like mid-late 20s? That's what I was thinking. So, yeah. to me, I think the Avs are a fit, if you, it, you know, but it's also like, if you're trading Rask, then you probably aren't going all in next season, unless you go out and get another legit goaltender, which I don't know if they're going to do. Right, and I, I think that's that's unrealistic right to trade rask and replace his production like if you i don't know who do you go out and get do you trade for for matt murray do you sign the lundquist thing is just that's just ignorance it's ignorance i hate that that's having two yarrow halaks and i don't think that that does you like i I love how much you hate like 
or like I love how much how cynical you are with like really elite former elite players like Tom Brady, Henrik Lundqvist. I think that is my favorite thing about you. That you no, just, dude, I love Lundqvist. I I, I, I love Lundqvist, but I think that people see the name and they think, <gasps> oh, well, if you can replace Rask with Lundqvist and save money, you're in business. It's like cool. You're just getting worse. Like, and, and like you haven't watched him play in like four years, right? So and like, and are you doing enough with that money to make that? Where I mean, there there is there is a planet where if you trade Tukarask and replace him with Henrik Lundqvist, you can have a better team next year. But that's if what you do with the savings and who knows what Lundqvist ends up getting. Lundqvist probably gets a decent contract just based on his name. Like, wasn't Cam Ward getting paid? For a while, yes. just based off the fact that his name was Cam Ward, and he sucked. So oh. I, I, I think that Lundquist is almost like a like a late career Emmett Smith, like ticket sales type of guy. Yes. And although I don't know if ticket sales guys exist, depending on where the world is in a, a few months. My point being, he's a bigger name than he is a great player right now, but if you could take the savings of moving, of replacing Rask with Lundqvist and turn it into, you get a great top four defenseman or you get two more wingers, like two more good wingers, dependable wingers, then all right. The, the argument can be at least made that, that you've stood where you were or even improved, but I don't think that's realistic because the, the Bruins with money to spend typically don't, spend it super wisely like they don't hit home runs unless you're talking about good like fourth line signings which god bless Don Sweeney he's really good at that but like when I've I've been writing some things about like moves they should make guys uh guys they could trade like what their trade values may be and I'll tell you I haven't written about one fourth liner because when it really comes to you know what cutting time that's not what makes and breaks a hockey team uh, with apologies to Sean Corrali, who is a, a great fourth line player and has scored some big goals. But you know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. Like, when you're addressing what the Bruins need and what they need to do, and their fourth line did suck last year, like, they need middle six help. God, they need middle six help. So and they've much. needed it forever. This is like a problem that they had when you covered them. Like, this has been oh, yeah. forever. This has been forever. They've been, and, and they bring in these fringe top six young guys to Brusque, Richie, Kasha, Bjork. Like, it's just like waiting for them to pan out. And at least Kasha looked good and his five on five numbers were good when he was with the Bruins, yeah. but it, there was no production. Is Oliver Ekman Larson a need? I hate that. Do you understand this at all? I don't. No, I, I hate it. And God, and bless him, apparently he wants to play for the Bruins. Cool. So do I. But it's, <laughs> it's actually, I don't think I would. <laughs> um, I might. I would want to do it. It'd be kind of fun. I mean, pays well. Good group of guys. Be a cool experience. You'd for sure bang out a memoir afterwards. Oh yeah. Like people would want the movie rights. How did this guy end yeah. up on the Bruins? It's like the guy who was like the the one the one at bat for the Miami Marlins, like yeah years ago that dude or what was the there was like a dennis quaid movie the the rookie something like that yes yeah some something like that um but yeah ekman larson wants to play for the bruins but i've texted like my (laughs) hockey friends with this 
about this constantly and I haven't found an answer. Why does that make sense? Why does why would it make sense to replace Tory Krug with a more expensive player who's when I say more expensive, I don't just mean AAV wise. I mean you have to give up a lot of stuff to get him. And Oliver Ekman Larson's a good player, even if you may fear that he's going in the wrong direction. Why would you do that? That that makes little sense to me. What if the Bruins retained like three million? Of the of the, or, I mean, the Coyotes retained three million of it, so the Bruins so would essentially pay between five, five and five? six. Well, uh, um, like that. what is he? Sure. He's, he's eight two five. I believe he's eight two five. Yes. Okay. Um, well, then that's that's a different story. Then that's awesome because then you're going from paying Tory Krug five point two five to paying Oliver Ekman Larson five two five. The only issue is you probably parted with your twenty twenty one first round pick, which would make it what three of four years that you don't select in the first round. Yes. And the only time you did is you just sorted by height and took that guy. <laughs> Although John Beecher, I think is a good prospect, but I think he's all right. uh, you just, it was just like the most Bruins pick ever. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Very, very Bruinsy. But you're, I think this does hinge on the, how much does the Coyotes retain? I don't think they, I think the Coyotes from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing is they want to just, outright give up Ekman Larson and his full contract and get like a good haul in return. It's like, that's not how trades work. Like, sorry, sorry. You can't have both. You have to either retain some and get a little bit back in return, but you save the money or you give it up, you know, in full and you don't get a lot back. Which and, is why I think it makes more sense for them to just keep him because you're right. Both those things aren't going to happen, especially with a flat cap. Like and he only think- wants to go to two teams. And the two teams can't really. It's a reverse make Tom sense. Brady. It is two teams. It's a reverse Tom Brady. The player wants two teams. I think you saw what you were saying about Brady and said, you know what? Only like two teams are going to want me. I'm going to pick those two teams as the destinations I want to go to. So yes. it's like I, so like it's like Brady came out and said, I want to go to either the Chargers or the Buccaneers. And everyone's like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, just those two teams. Those two That's teams. It. Everyone's like, what about the Titans and the Raiders and all these teams? He's like, oh, nah, man, those those teams, nah, man, forget it. I'm, I'm over those the Saints. Yeah. Fuck them. Who cares? Yeah. I, but but, it, but it, I, I, I don't understand the Eiffel Larson stuff. I never understood it. You'd have to give yeah. up a lot. The first-round pick stuff, continuing to just give up your first and not have cups, I don't think Ekman Larson gets you that much closer to Stanley Cup. I mean, your top no. four is solid. I mean, I guess – if you don't give up any defensemen that are currently on your roster, it would be what Ekman Larson and uh, Carlo or Ekman Larson and McAvoy. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it depends, depends on how you want to balance it. I mean, offensively the Bruins like going for broke and just loading up that one line. So, I mean, like Ekman Larson McAvoy would be awesome, I but would. I would, pro- I mean, but if, if it were me, I would probably, go Ekman, Larson, Carlo, and then have McAvoy carry whomever on the... It would be Grizzlick. Grizzlick and yeah. McAvoy would be fine. I'm fine yeah. with that. Yeah, but that, that, that could happen anyway. I, oh, I know. I mean, if Char comes back, he'd probably be on the third pairing. That's at least where he should be with Clifton right. or whoever. Just played defensive zone minutes. Sheltered. Right. Whatever. Uh, last thing I want to talk about with Bruins with you. Do they trade into the first round? Do you think they do it? 
Uh, I don't know. They're going all the way. They'd be going all the way from 58, and that's where they're just kind of stuck with not having a lot of awesome pieces. Like, what do you give up? You already traded your second-round pick from a couple of years ago in the Bacchus salary dump, which, side note, how do you feel about what Kasha is in that trade? Because I get mad every time someone says the Bruins don't have a first-round pick, they traded it for Andre Kasha. And I think Kasha was like a step up from a throw-in. He was more like he was closer to a throw-in than he was the centerpiece to that deal. Like that deal was the Bruins paying the Ducks a first round pick to take most of David Backus's money. And then there's the prospect and uh, Kasha element. Well, at the time, I think it, Kasha was the centerpiece. I think people looked at it, and I looked at it at the time as like, oh. He was the biggest getting, thing they were getting back, but like the – Well, I know, the, but – The primary um, – like the, the, the primary makeup of that deal was the Bruins are giving them a first-round pick to take David Backus's money. I'm of the thought that I think if Kasha gets a full year with the Bruins, I think you will see the production – happen i just look at it and i see more fringe top six guys again it's more fringe also you have jack studnika next year where where's he fitting in is he going to be a top six winger is he going to be i mean he's not going to fit anywhere at center unless you give up Krejci. so it's like unless you give up Krejci. which do you think that happens i don't think it happens but that's why i think this is a cool week i wouldn't be surprised by it like he's he's going into the last year of his deal. He has said before, and no no one I haven't heard anyone follow up on this, but I remember it from being a thousand years old back when I uh, covered them. When he signed his last deal, he talked about going home afterwards. Yep, he was every like, time. Maybe at the end of this deal, have I brought this up with you before? I'm fa- I'm always fascinated by it. No one really talks about it. I've written so every time I write an article on Krejci's future, I reference. Your report from 2016 with oh. EEI about when Datsuk retired, and I reference back in yeah. t- when he signed in 2014, mm-hmm. and I reference both, and no one talks about it. Yeah. Nobody says anything. It's like it's like this weird forgotten thing that he, like that's a pretty big thing to say. Like, did anyone check in on like that? Would have been a good breakup day um, Zoom type of. Well, he was too busy getting mad at us for asking him no questions after Game Five ended. So when game oh, right. five was up, Krejci was like, I was mad at the reporters for not uh, asking me any questions and just asking, I think it was Marshawn who was with, I forget yeah. who it was. But you know, people were, people were mad at him about that. And I, I get where he's coming from. That's gotta be awkward. Like you're mad after a game, really bad moment. And you're just, and they're like, Hey, this is your obligation. You have to sit up there and you're sitting up there for no reason. Just like kind of stewing. I get that. I always feel awkward when like two players go up at once and only one player answers all the questions. And it's like, can someone ask the other one a question too? Like just. Well, that's, that's also where it's that, that's just not a good setup. And that's where you get into the like, Hey, team media relations people. um, Can we have a discussion here and maybe find a different way to do this? Because just putting two people up there, one person's going to get more questions than the other, and you're at least presenting the possibility that one person is going to get all the questions. Exactly. It's also tough in locker rooms back in the day when they put two people up at once. When you walk in the locker yeah. room, you go, oh, shit, what do we do? 
You're missing right. one. You're going to the other. The player's mad that more going to him or to, to them. And so it's like this whole big thing. But yes, uh, Krejci leaving is uh, – Krejci retiring after next year and going home is like probable. It's probable. So, I mean, if you feel – so can... like, I just don't know. Like it's just been so long since that has been um, – since the temperature has been taken there. I got, who knows? Maybe he plays out the year and maybe he does the Chara thing. He just, and he wants to stick around on forever, like shorter, cheaper deals, but maybe he wants to go home. So like, as is the case with Rask, if you're the Bruins, you're probably looking at like, okay, what is our, what's our future with this guy? It's funny with the veterans, you have like the, the Charas, the Bergerons who never want to, st- who feel like they're always going to be there. They want to keep playing. They want to keep getting kicks to the can. And you have like, Krejci and Rask, who it's like, you don't know what, they're funny personalities. You don't know what to expect. You know, like you have Rask leaving the bubble for a good reason, but leaves the bubble. And you have Krejci who's kind of, you know, can be a weird personality. So you don't really know what to uh, expect with them. I don't know. I don't know weird person. I just think that like he gets, uh, like he's been a sort of star center who has spent his entire career on a team with, essentially the mayor of Boston. So his, his relationship to like the media and attention is pretty unique because I think that on a lot of other teams, he's probably like the guy and getting a lot of attention. Whereas with the Bruins, that's just not the case because Patrice Bergeron exists. So I I think that like, we hear from him less often and there's less of uh I don't know, like every, the, the media that covers him is sort of less plugged into that. I think because Patrice Bergeron exists. Well, it seems like Bergeron's had a more resurgence over the past five years compared to Krejci, who was really their top line center up until yeah. I'd say probably 2013 ish. Yeah. That's when I Once Horton watching. left. Yeah. That was when he stopped being the top line center, but that's when he was. Before I let you go, Vineyard Knights. Ooh, how did that come together? Um, I screw around with music stuff all the time, anyway. But I just make like little, I like incomplete songs and just send them to friends, and then don't do anything with them because uh, I uh, I I'm gonna keep stealing this quote from my friend Wayne Whitaker uh he said one time that he he likes music so much that he's afraid that sometimes he's afraid to make it because he doesn't want to like ruin music you know um or like he doesn't want to contribute music that doesn't live up to the standard that music like has in his heart and his mind so I very much get that uh Wayne, meanwhile, is like an actual incredible professional musician, and I'm just a, a dope little laptop. But um, I'd written a song called Vineyard Nights because I, myself, and Brunch had a weird little partnership going with uh, a music festival on Martha's Vineyard. And I just I wrote a song called Vineyard Nights about martha's vineyard and i'd never been to the vineyard before so it was a little tongue-in-cheek and it was a little weird and then the pandemic hit 
and while I was like finishing that song and I just kept right for whatever reason, I just kept writing songs called Vineyard Nights because I thought the concept of a project where everything is called the same thing is, uh, would be kind of funny and weird. So I made like, I didn't finish all of them, but I made seven songs and then, uh, Diane Coffey, who's, uh, an artist I love. I, uh, and is also a friend I sent the demos to, and he was like, yo, finish these, put them out. I'll help you. So he helped me. He played on some, he sang on some, and then, uh, or he, he played at least, he sang on, uh, two of them played on all three. And, uh, yeah, then, uh, this, uh, great mix engineer Tim Smiley mixed them and put them out and it was weird because it was the first time I've truly like seen any sort of musical project through and been like hey everybody this is some music I made please listen to it but uh, it felt good to put it out and everyone was super nice and not at all uh mean which is like i think the first time in internet history that people were just nice and receptive and uh and not not horrible it's recorded on history the first time in in internet history that that's happened there's three gangs there's a 240 gang the 248 gang and the 305 gang for people don't know that there's three vineyard nights they're all those lengths i was a 240 guy but we have a big in my my house we have a bunch of friends uh we have a big boom box and I said, nice. my friend made this, these songs, we're going to listen to them and you're going to tell me what you think. And they like 240, but it wasn't really their vibe. Two, uh, 248, that I, I think that was their third. We listened to 305 and we were like, oh shoot, that's the yeah. one. I think I'm now part of the 305 gang. So I moved up. I moved to 305 from 240. So, so 305 is the danciest number for sure. 240 is a bit melancholy. It's nice and, and mellow. I like it. Yeah. And uh, a little sad. Um, 248 is... 248 is, like, I think, best suit, like, sounds like something that I would have made. Because it's 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 by far the weirdest of the three. And my favorite of the three. I've not had a lot of people... I've, I do not believe there is a strong 248 gang, but... Um, I will be the, uh, the only member of that if need be, but yeah, it's funny that the 240 gang, it was happening for a little bit and now it's kind of subsided. Um, but people were making memes before the songs came out. They're making memes about them. It throughout the week. And then once the songs came out, they were able to make more specific memes. And I found there was a subculture of the Vineyard Nights meme group that, w- that aggressively liked 240 and would make like anti other other vineyard nights memes in like support of 240. So it'd be I don't know, it'd be like I I can't even I'll give like the example of like the silly Drake meme or whatever, but it would be someone like ducking like the other ones so they can listen to 240. So just like, like ruthlessly that being only in support of 240 which i think you can like them all you can like one of them you can do whatever but um 
Yeah, I'm I'm glad I put them out. I want to uh, keep uh, when I when I make stuff going forward. I actually want to see it through like I did like like I did with that. So uh, hopefully more down the road, but uh, but we'll see. We'll see. It was uh, it was a interesting weird ass thing to do, and I'm glad I did it. Must have been fun though. I mean, to see that through. Still though, not the best contribution to Twitter or the internet you've given this year. The best was shitty NHL gifts. Everyone. Oh yeah, that, that yes. was the best. Yeah, shitty NHL gifts. That was uh, me and Pete Blackburn just uh, doing exactly <laughs> that, making shitty NHL gifts. We would uh, we were like making horrible memes and just sending them to each other, not even tweeting them because we were like, we were like these are. These would make sense from my Twitter, not quite for Pete's. Um, yeah, yours more than Pete's, I would say. I'm a, I, I'm a little more unapologetically weird. Pete is uh, Pete's pretty accessible. I think that uh, he, he, Pete's not going to confuse a lot of people. You know, like true. Pete, Pete is Pete is far more capable to stick with the music analogy. Pete's far more capable of making like a top forty hit than some weird fucking chewy thing that only a few people will like. I'm more the, I want to make something weird that like two people will find funny, but hopefully they'll find it really funny. It's niche versus appealing to the masses in some sense. Right, 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 right. Pete. So Pete's way better at that uh, latter one than me, but uh, yeah, we were making just weird, uh, weird memes and send them to each other and then pete was like why don't we have an account that just puts these out i was like that actually we were we were doing them for like days before he suggested it so it was kind of funny that it took us that long to figure it out but um yeah we we slowed down a little bit but like the only rule we had was uh there has to be some weird john tortorella obsession (laughs) because that's a like gritty and Tortorella are like the cliche things for hockey people to be obsessed with for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So we were like, let's just lean all the way in to John Tortorella, and that's uh, that's shitty NHL gifts. And it was and perfect. A lot of them aren't gifts. No, they aren't. That's the best part. They really aren't gifts. But shitty NHL gifts, Vineyard Nights, NBC Sports Boston brunch. Oh yeah, that is DJ Bean. DJ, as always. Thank you for joining. Hopefully we get one more as time goes yes. on. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, but dude. so, of course. Yeah, uh, this, was but, a, uh, this was a real party. And uh, who knows? Maybe this will be the most boring week in Bruins history. But I'm afraid I mean, that's going to happen. I'll be, I'll be, I'll have, I'll have my popcorn ready. That's all I'm saying. I'm excited. I hope something big happens. Because um, then we can say we called that too. So we call it, call it yeah, everything. No matter what, if anything happens, we call that. Like if the Bruins draft somebody in the second round. <laughs> we knew it. We called that. Yeah. That was, our, that was our scoop. But DJ, as always, thank you for joining. And for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins View listeners, have a great rest of your week. We quit working it out. Calling the fight I just want to say I'm missing you These vineyard nights I saw you wrote me today Just a reply